calmness and consistency is a really big part of it. If you get impatient, and this is just a lesson of what the dog mother will do, if the puppy makes a mistake and the mother corrects it, immediately she loves on it. She doesn't let that puppy go away and sold. So we need to be the same. The minute that we've made a mistake, we've yelled at the dog or whatever, just immediately love on that dog. It'll work wonders. Uh, don't let the dog feel unhappy for lengths of time for no reason because they don't understand. Let the dog let them know from a while. That's how they Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. We are here with Robin Oliver from RobinOliverOnline.com. And she was a co-author in the very excellent book, Fast Forward to Success with Pat Masidi. And Robin is a dog trainer and her specialty is in creating a bonding relationship with your best friend, your dog. And she has 20 plus years of experience in top level showing, trialing, and breeding. So if you are a dog owner or a dog parent, as some people say, or even if you just are looking more into maybe you're a future dog owner or just want to have that better connection, this is the exact place you want to be on this exact podcast episode. So, Robin, glad to be talking to you. Lovely to meet you. Likewise. And so you have all these different things going on, but as far as dog training and your various pursuits, what is your current passion, your focus for the past six months? My current passion is I love to help people raise a puppy or a rehomed dog. I get quite distressed when these dogs are given up to be rehomed because people just don't have the knowledge of how to handle them. It's quite simple. I would have quite a simple process of how I do it. I've done it with many dogs and I haven't changed the format because I haven't made it to. So Yes, it's a very special connection, but connection worth working for. Fantastic. And I think this is a very important message that needs to get out there. When so every now and then I visited like the animal shelter and you see these elderly dogs and cats, and it's really sad to think that someone gave them up. And then growing up, I watched the movie Beethoven. I don't know if you've seen that. And that was really sad when the evil characters in the movie are like really mean to the dogs. And it, it's, it still messes me up to this day. And so we want people to, to avoid that situation, right? If they say, oh, I just, I can't handle it. The dog is misbehaving or is just not cooperating. To just give up seems really cruel. I'm thinking, do whatever you can or figure out some better solution to make it work. So if there are these dogs that are being rehomed and it's really sad and someone is either thinking about maybe giving up their dog or maybe they picked up a dog from the shelter that is problematic, what would you say to someone like that? What's the starting point and how does somebody begin to get along better with their puppy or their animal? Their starting point is from day one. So I always say with the puppy, when I bring a puppy home, if I've collected a puppy, the time coming home, it's mainly being in the car because I usually travel so I can get a really good puppy. I keep the puppy close to me. I talk to it when I get home and with a puppy. I always leave the lead on the puppy. I carry the puppy through the home. I take it out to the backyard. I still keep it on lead. I let it just fuss around on the grass for a while. If it doesn't, back on going if it doesn't matter. 
but I don't change my routine because that's kind of the routine of how my dog will live. I very much am. I very much like the use of the lead on a puppy to start with. I even when I have the puppy inside, I walk around with a lead attached to my waist, and that's to help get a bonding relationship with me and me with the dog. But you can see from that, when the puppy wants to go out somewhere, it's tired, might want to have a little play and interaction with you, all that very worthwhile. Now, with a meat home dog, that's a kettle of fish because half the time they're grown up and I can't take them, carry them inside because they might be quite a size. But I would still get the lead on them. I walk them around my front yard just so they can get to know their new surroundings. When I get to the front door, the dogs are like us. They look around. What do I know here? I know nothing here. It's like us. We look for a point of contact. When we find a point of contact, we can chat with whoever's come to our door. So with a dog, it's not the same, but they do need to be able to look around. Otherwise, they're not calm. We take them through the home, straight out the backyard again, walk them around with the lead. Most times these dogs will oblige because they're older, but if they're terribly frightened, they won't. Um, as we know, can hang on forever, forever. But that is fair. I just go and sit down, make myself a cup of tea, sit down, put the dog beside me, and we just get to know each other. So that's the very start of my routine, and I do the same routine every day. Because the dog likes that, it feels comfortable, it gets to know and say, hey, I like it here, I can really play one day with this household. So, yeah, it's always wild. Take a lot of work, a lot of patience, a lot of consistency. But, yeah, my goodness, it's worth it. I agree that it might, it, you, someone might have that initial thought of, I have to have this routine and I have to be patient and I have to have this consistency. But my thought is, what's the alternative? If you don't do, go through those motions and take those steps, then it will just be constant frustration and confusion and conflict. So why not get ahead of the problem and show your dog around? show them, like you said, the rooms and the backyard and mention something in there that dogs are sort of people or they're very similar to us. And whenever I'm in a new city and I get to the hotel, I like to walk around the block. I like to check out a few streets over just because imagine if there was a really amazing park or a really great restaurant right next door to that hotel. And I didn't even know about it just because I did not check out my surroundings. And sometimes you worry if there was some kind of a problem, how do I get to the hospital or how do I get to the nearest transportation? And of course, a dog who's descended from wolves is thinking the same way, right? Where are the exits? If someone is, if the doorbell rings, where's the person coming to the door? And it makes sense the way that, that you put it. Like, why would you just add to your dog being frightened? They're already in a new place if you didn't give them the lay of the land. So it's good just to, like you said, show them, ha have them attach you for a little while and show them the backyard. And even though it might be frustrating at first, go through it that way through the familiarity and the repetition, they can feel more at ease and more settled in your environment. And so as someone is rehoming or retraining their dog of whatever age, where do people get stuck or frustrated? Because right off the bat, it seems 
good in theory, but I'm sure that there are some obstacles that come up. So what sort of problems do you usually see and what's the solution? The most problems I usually see is people think, oh, the dog's home with me now. I'm going to give it a good life. Everything will be fine. I don't really have to do anything, but you do raising children. You have to show them the ropes. You have to show them how your household runs. So in my case, just only myself and my husband and me follow what I ask him to do with the dog. So it's all consistent. Any family members, all the time. But the most problems I see is people become frustrated. They become, then they become angry and the dog upon our, our demeanor and our expressions and our body language. Far more than people like the dogs went on inside. If I just look at them and they're out the yard or at the door, they might hit the door because they want to be near me. If I look at them, they're fine. But if I smile at them, they'll wag their tail. So what does that tell you? That tells you just how much a dog is attuned to what you're doing with your face or with your body. And if you raise your voice even a bit, the dog knows. If I, one of my dogs, if I raise my voice, and she's really naughty, I call it, not naughty, she really makes a mistake. But if I raise my voice just to tamper with her, she's going to laugh it because she knows that's not my normal way of interacting with her. So they get to learn, but you have to be consistent and you have to put in the work. You can't just suck up the dog, just put it out in the backyard or whatever. Work. No, not work. And sometimes I, I have some neighbors like that. All so every now and then there will be some neighbor way down the street and you hear the dog barking way off in the distance. And it only lasts for a few days because the dog is just like barking on and on. And you can tell that the dog is unhappy and it's probably even disturbing the neighbors. And it they're just there's the dog is alerting and, and saying, Hey, this is not. Uh, this is not what I want. This is not working out. So you're saying that we need to have that patience and we need to have maybe some sort of emotional control and to not get angry around that dog because they will pick up on that. And that's probably good just for everyone involved. If you can have that that calmness, better control of your emotions, then maybe even the, the humans in your home will appreciate it. And then you yourself might even notice over time, just the thoughts come back and the raw emotions, the anger uh, not always in there. And so is there any difficulties with getting the other family members on board or sharing the chores? Or do you ever see like any kind of conflict with the humans where one person in the home loves the dog and the other person hates the dog? Anything happen like Yes, that happens quite a lot. But if, say, the two members of the household, one is not so dog-oriented and the other one or animal-oriented and the other person is, You'll see that the dog will pick up on this conflict and again, the dog will not respond as you're trying to. So it really comes down to all relationships, being with the dog or whether it be with another human being. You just need to calmly talk to that other person in the household that's not quite as animal oriented as you and just say, look, I know you understand that dogs are my passion or animals are my passion. So I'm just asking you to please work with me so that we can have a happy household. So the dog's happy, you're happy, I'm happy, and there's no conflict. And you'll find if there is 
basically respect in the household. That they will conform. Now, I give an example of my husband. He's not really oriented at all. He never hurt the dogs. He'll give them a pat and say, off you go. He doesn't feed them. But because he is detached in a way, but he's calmly detached. Some reason the dogs laugh. Like, <laughs> I mean, upset sometimes. I think you're loving all the way. I've got my dick walking with them. I take them out. They're exciting place. I feed them. I bow to them. But yes, they comes down to calmness all the time. Whether we like it or not, we do need to be calm and consistent. Great. So, yeah, the husband gets some of those benefits, even though you're, you're doing all the work. And we're getting some, we're getting some sort of like life lessons even from having the dog, right? Because there is like some communication aspects and some just saying, I know if you're not a dog person, it's not a hundred percent ideal that the dog is here, but maybe it's 72% ideal. Maybe it's a thing that, that you can maybe put up with and maybe you don't a hundred, you don't fully appreciate like the fur or the dog toys out there, but you can appreciate when the dog's happy and you pet the dog and you feel a little better and you hear she, their tail wags when they see you and isn't that nice. And so there's always the upside. There's always the benefits into dog ownership. And in your chapter in Fast Forward to Success, I was really impressed where it seemed like you had some sort of a, like a step-by-step process to rehome your dog as far as like taking the dog for a walk and going through specific steps. So can you explain that a little bit? If someone says, I need to know the steps, the timeline to going from, I have a new dog to my dog fully works with me and is trained. How does somebody get from point A to point B? How long does it take to train? I have a program that I put it in place. And as I said initially, I have followed it with many dogs. I do the same thing. Some dogs may play, I'm talking about a rehomed dog, depending on what its background is, may assimilate quite quickly. But sometimes that I could happily take new dog because I know how they've raised them similarly to myself. I know that dog was sitting with me within a few days, just because it's in a strange place. It just leaves those days were jar. But I rehomed a dog and it took me three years. I know it sounds a long time, but it took me three years to rehabilitate that dog before I could let it out go somewhere else. Because that dog was extremely traumatized. But what I did, when I mentioned before, I keep the dog on the lead, Mary in the home. I did that for weeks on end. And I know somebody wants to know, I'm in trouble. I haven't got color. I haven't got this. I haven't got that. Believe me, you need to take the time. If you're working, you need to be up and exercise that dog. You just do before you go to work so the dog's a little bit tired. Or even if you can't spend the time to physically make the dog tired, you need to make it mentally tired. So you need to start learning how to do different, what I call tricks. If you're a competition person, they're not the same as you're training your dog to do. A to B with you in competition, but you need to start teaching them things to make their minds think. So just to help settle the dog if you're gone for some time. Uh, but as I said, it could take a long time. So 
if it's going to take a long time, it's going to take a long time. I don't like to see a person give up in a situation like that. As I say, this dog that I took three years to rehabilitate her before I could safely let this to somebody else. She hated being away from the home. She hated being the car. There were just so many things I had to restore her to a calm state. But now she goes out with her own hour. She happily runs along the beach, comes back to her. Yes. All I'm saying is, and very, but if you really love that dog and you really want to help that dog, you will. If you're not burnt, unfortunately, you'll give it back. And that's not helpful to the dog and it's not helpful to you because you haven't looked for solution. That, yeah, that seems helpful to to manage one's expectations and keeping into this this line of thought that like dog, dogs are people in a way that if you had a, a new baby in the home, you wouldn't just say, oh, this baby's so much to work and time. I'll just put the baby over in the room. You would rearrange your schedule to a certain extent in order to make it work. And you would say, I know that now I need to have like maybe 10% more structure in my life, a little bit of a routine. And maybe instead of waking up and starting the day whenever, maybe I do it at this time and I walk the dog before I have to get to my task or where I have to get to whatever I need to get to that day. And that, again, that, that helps everyone involved because even you as the human, now you have some structure in your life. Now you can maybe get more accomplished that day. It might even make you more physically fit because you're out there with a dog walking around or running around and you're moving yourself as well. And when someone talks about retraining or rehoming your dog, me as a lay person, I'm thinking maybe that's like, you know, three weeks or two months. And so you, when you're mentioning here three years, is there a an average length of time or is there like a range that we can expect to retrain the dog? Like in one extreme is like the dog's really cooperative. The other extreme things can't need to be retaught. Is there some sort of a range like that? That one was extreme, extremely extreme. Oh, that's about the only one I could say. The only way I could say it. I would say on average, just allow yourself a couple of months, two or three months, probably at the most. If after that time you really feel, if you're on a program with somebody, hopefully they feel that you would need extra special one-on-one training you may have to bring somebody else in to help you look it's not rocket science i'm really it's just working through the emotions that the dog is displaying and helping the dog with those emotions and with their issues and instilling confidence in them and you can do that you can definitely do that so it, I think that you couldn't do that if the doll had some sort of a psychological issue that was through birth or something where the dog, it, it just can't respond because it, it has an issue that's, or say a mental issue. That would be the only time. I wouldn't see any other time that you need to give up. If the doll, most places that have dogs, some of them, unfortunately, let aggressive dogs out. I don't know why they do that. So that disturbs me greatly. But you have to do your research. You have to really go backwards and forwards to see that dog. You have to see how it interacts before you know in your own mind dog is suitable for your household. 
they can't be that decision just like that. It has to be an informed decision where you could do your homework, yet decide whether that breed is suitable for your home. I know by breeds full of dog. But certain breeds may not work in your home, like a working dog may not work in your home, a quiet dog may not work in your home because you're active. So you need to put all those thoughts into your plan for what dog you eventually want to adopt. I like that advice a lot, that before getting the dog, look up these breeds and then see what their personality tendencies are, what size they grow into, do they need lots of attention, do they like to be left alone, so that way you know ahead of time what can fit into your lifestyle, which seems like common sense when you explain it, but I imagine that even in this day and age where anything can be looked up on Google, I'm sure some people will just jump in and say, this dog looks good without doing that proper research, and you make it sound so simple, but it's something to check out ahead of time so that way that we know what we're getting ourselves into. And you said in there, well, it's not rocket science, but there are some proven techniques, proven step-by-step -step methods. And then there's a lot of, it seems, of just paying attention over time and getting to know your dog, picking up on their little communication to you, and then knowing that they also notice your body language, notice your attitude. And I imagine even they recognize like words and things like that too. So that way the communication goes two ways. And when I was younger, Robin, I used to be more of like a facts and figures guy. But as I get older, I think so many things will just work itself out as long as we are alert and we just put in the time. And so along those lines, I'm sure that in all your travels, you've had some fun stories, right? It's, it always makes you feel good to hear a story about a dog that really changed someone's life or was like really loving or was like a welcome addition to the home. So do you have any like kind of fun, heartwarming, wholesome dog stories to share with us today? The first one that comes to mind, I will say to you about rocket science. What I mean is the plan I offer is not so complicated that you can't do it. So it's just a simple step-by-step -step process. And if you follow it, honestly, <laughs> it's worse every step. Look, the first thing that comes into mind is because I have pedigree dogs, uh, they're all champions. Well, the three of them all, were all very good lines, but one of them I offered back to the breeder so that this line could be carried on. And in so giving that, on the three of the moment, I offered one of my older dogs. So we're talking about this older dog, and this older dog was this older dog. It's quite a character. She's a character all of her own. She can be standoffish. She can be loving. She can be cheeky. But however, she went off to be a melon. Melon wasn't really for her. She did look after the puppies for a while, but after about three weeks, she wanted to be outside with the other dogs playing. But the thing was, because she was such a delightful animal, the breeder was driven mad with people that wanted one of her puppies. So I had people even contacting me, and it wasn't up to me because I leased her back. So it was just so funny. This one particular lady, she'd say to me, I'm coming in the back door. I've searched out who you are. 
can you please put in a good word to the breeder? And I'd say, no, I can't. But you just, when somebody really wants something, you'll know that they will not give up. They will persevere. And I just used to think it was so gorgeous because I wouldn't like to tell you how many times a week I'd find a message in my message box from a, oh, please, I love your mother. I love your mother. Anyway, she wasn't getting one. But the delightful part was one of these puppies was chosen for the show ring and then the lady that was going to show this particular puppy and decided, no, she'd go for another one outside this line because she wanted her to ask if the puppy didn't work out. This puppy was then offered to the lady. This lady did get one of these puppies. Now, the delightful thing about this is this puppy's now in your role. I get three or four or five photos a week. I get videos. I get to see where the do- how the dog lives. And it is just so sweet to see somebody that desperately wanted one of these puppies and really didn't have a chance till the very last minute she actually got one of these puppies. And if you see this puppy's life, oh my goodness, it is just, it is landed on its feet. And it's just so wonderful to see that this puppy that she desperately wanted is just such a blessing to her. It just tickles me. I love it. Now, I know it's not a funny story, but it's just a story of somebody who wanted a puppy had no chance of getting the puppy, really, because they're all accounted for to some to other people. But just because of perseverance, and when there was a little loophole that allowed her to be slotted in before other people, she was. Yeah. Uh, amazing. That that's wonderful. That there's and there's yet another life lesson in there, right? That the perseverance can pay off. And I'm sure that must make you feel really good when every few weeks you get the photos coming in on your phone just to see what the puppy is off doing and having such a blast. It's like when we started the this discussion of ours, we were talking about kind of the downside, the dark side, how so some people don't do the dog training right, but then there's also so much of an upside. There's people that that love puppies that say, this one right here, I want this one, I want this lineage. And then they get the puppy and they raise them right and they have such a blast and everybody wins. And that's what we want, right? We want everyone to be happy and to be satisfied and to sometimes do the hard work that pays off. But Robin, everything in life that is worth having is worth working hard towards. And then we have that satisfaction of saying, I put in the time, I put in the effort and look at how far we've come when I first brought that puppy home and he or she was just that size and now they're huge and now we all get along and we understand each other. And so as we're beginning to wind down our conversation here, do you think, is there some area of puppy or dog training where people really go wrong? Is there just like a mistake that is maybe not talked about enough that just happens a lot, but is an easy fix? Does anything come to mind? I would say calmness and consistency is a really big part of it. Look, if you get impatience, and this is just a lesson of what the dog mother will do, if the puppy makes a mistake and the mother corrects it, immediately she loves on it. She doesn't let that puppy go away and sulk. 
So mm-hmm. we need to be the same. The minute that we've made a mistake, we've yelled at the dog or whatever, just immediately love on that dog. It'll work wonders. Uh, don't let the dog feel unhappy for lengths of time for no reason because they don't understand that the dog let them know from a while. That's how they... It's a dog lesson, but I think it's a kindness lesson as well because you're reminding me that when I was a kid, if I did something wrong, my, one of my parents would yell at me and it would weigh on me for all day, maybe multiple days. And if my son does something that I don't want, if he grabs a cup I, that he shouldn't be grabbing, I, I have the firm boundaries and maybe he freaks out, but I stick to my boundaries and I also hug him or love on him. So that way within a minute or two, then he's completely moved on. So that way we can en- enforce the the rules, right? That way the child is not just getting away with anything, but we're also not being cruel. And so there's many parallels there and see from raising a child to raising a puppy. And as we've said a few times, they kind of are your child in a way. And so if, if someone out there says, okay, I know that there's a better way to raise my puppy or dog. So that way I can just be happy and be fulfilled, but I might need this extra help. Either something's gone wrong, I need to fix it, or we've mentioned a few times that it's helpful to just get ahead of the problem and do it right the first time. So if somebody says, I know that I need some extra help with this dog training, and I want to check out the resources that Robin has for me, how do they find out more about you and what do you have to offer? I have a website, which is www.robinoliveronline.com. I have a Facebook site, which is called Robin Oliver Online. I'm also on Instagram, same name. And I have a YouTube channel, same name, Robin Oliver Online, where I just put up fun videos, just fun to show you how you can have a bit of fun with your dog. You can teach it things. And I show you when my dog's making a mistake. I don't get upset about it. Well, what? Do it again. So I think people have expectations sometimes that as they teach the animal, then it will grasp it straight away. But they're like you and I. They don't always grasp it straight away. Sometimes they will. Sometimes they won't. So, yeah. We come back and get all the time to calmness and consistency and learning a process step by step and how to raise the dog so that dog fond with you is just unbreakable. Well, this is just a little aside. My last dog that is just that puppy, she wasn't an extremely important line, so I leased her back. I've only had her back now about a week and a half. But I took a neighbour up with me who was very interested in this same breed. And we had quite a few trips. So we had to stop the comfort stops along the way. And she was just amazed. When I went off to the comfort station, that my dog stood in the back of the car, left in the back of the car, and just watched me the whole time. I watched where I was, watched when I came back out the door. So she was just amazed that a dog had such a bond with a human being. So it was a real learning curve for her as well to see just what you can do when you're consistent and just final a simple plan to raise that dog or that puppy to be your best friend, be your bestie. That's a very worthwhile goal. You say calmness and consistency 
and know that success is not a straight line and to manage your expectations. And most importantly, have fun because what the heck is the point of putting yourself through the misery if you just, if you're wound so tight, why not enjoy it, have fun with it. And then you'll be so glad when you get to that point where you and the dog have that strong bond. And so wherever you are at, in your dog training and raising journey, you should go to robinoliveronline.com. That way you can be better educated to, to know what you need to know and even know what you don't know yet. And also go to Robin Oliver online on Facebook and on Instagram. And what's really great about these social media sites is you can just go there really quick. And even if you only have a second, like the page, follow the Instagram, and then that way, the next time you open the app or log in, then you'll see Robin's updates on your timeline and you'll say, oh yeah, that, that whole dog training venture I was going to jump into, there's my reminder. And even if you're not at that point yet, your day will be brightened because you'll see the, these happy dogs having fun on your timeline. It's way too easy to see all the other doom and gloom and the scary news. Why not counterbalance that? with some fun and happy dog photos. So that is Robin Oliver online on social media and robinoliveronline.com. And thank you, Robin, for showing up and giving us some of this warm, heartfelt, practical, doable dog training advice. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. I've enjoyed meeting with you. I've enjoyed having a chat. Likewise. <laughs>